0: Hello, you're listening to A Tour Through John, Lesson 1. John is different from the other three Gospels in many ways. They resemble each other quite a bit, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John has, for example, the most universal focus of the four Gospels. Mark speaks to those in the Roman world. It's not the Emperor who is the Son of God, it's Jesus who is the Son of God, and that is actually mentioned in the very first verses of Mark. Mark's also quite short. Matthew is written to those from the Jewish background, though it ends with the command to get the Gentile mission going. Jesus is the Messiah. In Luke, the focus is the entire Gentile world, where Jesus is the ideal human. Luke takes the gospel from Galilee to Jerusalem, just as in the book of Acts it goes from Jerusalem to Rome, although many other parts of the empire are left out for the purposes of of simplicity. In John, Jesus is the savior of the whole world. That's the proclamation that the villagers of Sychar, remember remember the woman at the well, when Jesus and uh, she go back and evangelize that town, they realize that he's the savior of the whole world. And so there's a universal focus. 90% of John's material is unique. That is, it's not found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, It's mainly set in Jerusalem, whereas the other gospels are set more in Galilee. And unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John's not structured around the trek from Caesarea Philippi to Jerusalem following Peter's confession. Um, It's not a a one-year compression of ministry, as in the other Gospels. Rather, it's spread out over three years, or possibly slightly longer. John also uses uh, very effectively paired opposites that combine physical and spiritual levels, like light and darkness, life and death. Uh, heaven and earth, above and below, and many more. His gospel in this way is a, actually quite a theological gospel, but it's easy to understand because the themes are simple. Uh, there are large amounts of narrative, and uh, the vocabulary is simple as well. In John, there's a heavy emphasis on Jesus's incarnation, his humanity. For example, in chapter 4, he's fatigued. We find him in anguish in chapters 12 and 13, irritated in chapter 2, weeping in chapter 11. He needs friends, and he has friends, chapter 11. And this theme of Jesus being a human was really important for the early church. We may get it backwards and think that they didn't really believe that he was God. In the ancient times, it was pretty easy uh, to believe that a God had come down to the earth, but not as a human, not really human. If so, it would be, just be a disguise. But Christians believe that John, uh, that Jesus truly became a human. And there was a kind of a struggle to accept that he was fully human. Fully divine, sure. Fully human, not so much. And uh, this is also why we have First and Second John in the New Testament. About the structure of John, and I'm, I know I'm giving you a lot of introductory things in this opening lesson. I hope that's okay. Um I just want to set the stage. We we will see that there are seven signs in the Gospel of John, seven confessions, seven I am statements. These will be clarified later on. If you want to see the purpose of John, look at chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 for his own statement of purpose. He tells us exactly why he wrote the Gospel. Now, if you want to go a lot deeper, um, check out the New Testament chapter notes at this website. Each uh, each section has a reading, and then general comments, and then an advanced section, and that's what you want to take a look at. Uh, the New Testament chapter notes are about 400 pages. In this series, I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. I'm quite aware that the more popular versions these days are the New International Version, um, uh, probably the English Standard Version is coming up. Um, I like the NRSV for these purposes because... Um, purposes of of this series, because it's very accurate, kind of like the New American Standard. So we're going to begin reading the prologue of John. That's the first 18 verses, and we probably won't get all the way through it, but we'll finish the prologue tomorrow. In many ways, all of chapter 1 sets the stage for the Gospel of John. So some scholars would say that all of chapter 1 is the prologue, but I'm going to stick with um, just those first 18 verses. Let's read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And we'll just pause there, alternating text with, with comments. In the beginning was the Word. This is a clear harking back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. And it's nearly identical to 1 John 1.1. In fact, if you, if you read uh, the beginning of this in Greek, and then you read the Greek Old Testament, starting in Genesis 1, you can see exactly what's going on. It's an identical language. The Word, the Logos. Now, logos can mean words, saying, message, talk, conversation, question, preaching, account, value, grounds, charge, matter, thing, reason. Okay, it doesn't mean all those things in this passage, but it's something reasonable, it's communicated, it's logical, um, it's, uh, it's something uh, concrete, something that can be understood. So the beginning of creation is not just a feeling or some sensation, It's something more logical. It's something involving reason. And God is going to speak through his Son. His Son is that Word. If you want some Old Testament background, check out Proverbs 8. Okay, so the beginning point for understanding God, including the communication of the Word of God to those who don't know him, is reason. It's not wordless, mystical experience, but it's a communication given by God himself we read that the word was God, this complete union of God and man in one being. One God, but two natures. It's kind of hard to get your head around. And if you say, well, I understand it, it's very simple, then probably you don't understand the issues because it took the early church hundreds of years of kind of slogging it out, <laughs> trying to uh, figure out exactly what's going on and um, actually cause quite a bit of tension. So I don't think it's easy to understand. But the orthodox position is that Jesus is completely human and completely God. He's not like half of each, or 40% God and 60% man. Um, the word God, theos in Greek, by the way, is the same um, expression that it appears uh, actually multiple times in John chapter 1, theos. And we have groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses who don't really understand the Greek. They're wrong when they say that the word means a god, simply because the os is lacking the definite article. Usually God's written ho, the os. But the os all by itself is a common construction in New Testament Greek and happens many times even in this own chapter. Uh, Besides, just imagine the early Christians, most of whom were Jewish. Uh, I don't think they would go for it. If John's Gospel said, well, in the beginning there was a there was a God. No, there's only one God. There's not a God. Um, a God, like there's Zeus and and then there's Hermes and then there's Artemis. No, there's only one God. God is unique. So um, the attempts to to minimize Jesus's divinity by playing with the Greek should be rejected uh, as nonsensical. The word which is God will become human. And we're going to talk a lot more about that tomorrow when we get up to verse 14. The word was involved in creation itself. Colossians 1.15 and following is a great passage if you want to go further. But somehow Jesus is involved in creation. So he's not just uh, like God's son sitting at home waiting for time to begin, waiting for humanity. No, he's uh, active, creative, uh, expressive. In the word was life. Not biological life, but spiritual life. Spiritual life which is opposed to darkness. The darkness didn't overcome it. Some versions might say understand it. You could argue either way from the text. So how did people react to the light? Well, let's carry on. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all people might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Now, all four Gospels have John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. His ministry was really important. He selflessly pointed people to Christ. Of course, John himself was prophesied in the Old Testament in Malachi 3 and Malachi 4 and Isaiah 40. But John warned people. He prepared the Jews for the coming of the Messiah. And it's important to understand this is not John, the traditional writer of the Gospel of John. This is John the Baptist. And he did not want glory for himself or his own ministry. One of my favorite verses in John is John 3, 30. About midway through this series, I'm going to, but we'll have a, a morning where we just look at verses to learn, verses to be familiar with or memorize. In the first half of John, then we'll do it again later on uh, so that we can really learn a lot. It's so important that we follow John in his example of not preaching ourselves, 2 Corinthians 4, not trying to impress others. Uh, about you know how together we are, and uh, I, I'm sure we've all done this at some point. There was definitely a time when uh, I used to, I'm sure I came across um, pretty boastful of the church. I mean, and I would say things that maybe they weren't even true at the time. But you know, look at us. Every member has daily quiet times. As a result, most of us know more than any. Denominational minister. Soon we'll be the biggest church in the city, doubling every year, and we'll evangelize the world in a few decades. We've never had a divorce or a a hypocrisy. We're interracial. Everyone's repented of prejudice, and now we're colorblind. And if members ever cross the line into serious sin, there's discipline. And that's why our congregation is relatively pure. We take holiness so seriously. We are the kingdom of God. Well, whether it was said or implied, It's true, of course, that the church is meant to manifest the kingdom of God, God's rule. But the church is not in the spotlight. It's not the church we preach. It's Christ. And John the Baptist understood this. I wish all ministers thought the same today. Every one of us is a minister of the gospel. Well, it says that the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. That true light is not something divine within us like some Hindu our Eastern or New Age concept, no that true light is not something you 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 get into the lotus position and you meditate and or you wait for the spirit to move like uh, the Quakers. no the Word and that's the Word that is God becoming flesh. The word is the true light, and we see that in john eight twelve and john nine five look i know i'm I'm speaking somewhat quickly, but it's okay. You can listen to it again, and besides all the important things. Are in the notes that come with this podcast it's time here to to take a break we've looked at um, we got up to verse 10 and I I think that's useful for today let's uh, review this and and let's pray and um, I'll let you go okay this uh, this prologue that we're reading the prologue to John is very different to the intros to the other Gospels. I mean, think of the genealogical introduction to Matthew, right? It's a list of 42 generations. Or the explanatory note by Luke about his research, or almost really no lead-in, the instant action as you open up to Mark. And John, you get this theological, uh, you know, these 18 verses that are very dense, dense in a a great way, Um, very rich, and and they require reflection and, and unpacking. We we saw that in the beginning was the Word, and that Word uh, is how the world was created, through that Word. You could say there are two words, right? You could say God speaks in his message, which we find in the Bible, but Jesus is God's Word also. And we have a lot more to look at. This is such a, a meaty section, but for now, would you pray with me? Lord, we love your Word. We love the way it feeds us to do your will to complete your work that's our food but also your word is our food and we ask you as we open our mouths to wide to to fill it with your good things the good things of your word help these thoughts to really lodge in us today lodge in our minds affect the way we think the way we behave the way we speak and and to guide the direction of our lives help us to truly understand what you want us to understand in your text as we study it every day. Uh, We ask this in your son. Amen. Come back tomorrow and we'll continue starting in the middle of John 1, verse 10. Thanks.